All right. Well, good morning, Trace. How are we doing this morning? Braving the elements to come to church. Awesome. I really appreciate you guys. I want to say welcome to all of you brave souls in here this morning. I also want to say welcome to all of you sissies that watch online and didn't get up and drive in the snow. No, I'm not going to go there. Uh, We're really glad you're here. We are really glad you're tuning in online as well. Really thankful for you to be here to be a part of this new series we kick off today. But before we get into that, um, I want to do something. And I know that what I'm about to do, some of you that we're going to ask to stand up, maybe don't like to be honored in this way, but it gives us an honor to be able to honor you. And so today, in light of Veterans Day, if you've served in our military forces, both now uh, or either now or in the past, would you just stand up so we can give you our appreciation for your sacrifice and service? Stand up. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all the sacrifices that you have given and your families have given on our behalf. Hey, I also want to celebrate something really quick, something that happened in the last service. Uh, Last service, we celebrated a baptism, and we're going to celebrate baptisms all the time around here, and you're going to hear us say this statement several times. Every life changed for Jesus is worth celebrating, and his name was Jason Angel. Can we give it up for Jason for handing his life over to Christ this morning, being baptized? Uh, Exciting. Well, guys, today we do kick off this new series called Hope in the Dark. It's going to be a three-week series, and there's several reasons why we wanted to do uh, this particular series called Hope in the Dark, but maybe the most obvious one is the way that this is going to give us an opportunity to kind of identify with each other. If you've been coming for any amount of time at Trace, you know there's a statement we make around here that goes like this, most of us are like the rest of us. And so when it comes to the subject of darkness, maybe we would define it as pain, We all speak that universal language, don't we? We all speak the universal language of pain. Maybe your pain comes emotionally. Maybe for you it was physically. Maybe it was relationally. Maybe for some of you it was just the pain that comes with life when it didn't turn out the way that we hoped it would. And these painful moments often lead to maybe some of the darkest and most confusing times of our lives. Maybe your moment of darkness would be better defined by a major disappointment or a season of despair Maybe for you, it's a battle with depression. For others, it could be the offense of the Denver Broncos. Can we just be honest this morning? Maybe for you, it's doubt. Can we camp on that for just a moment and talk about the subject of doubt? Because one of the things that I think the church as a whole could do a much better job in is welcoming people's doubts. Friends, the longer that I have followed Jesus, the more I've come to realize that doubts are just a regular and natural part of our faith journey. And so when people like me in places like this don't invite the real questions and the real doubts that you walk through those doors with, it often leads people to a dead end. And instead of learning an effective way to wrestle with God, when things don't seem to make sense, instead people are walking away. I bet you can think of someone right now who that actually describes. And with that being said, I need to let you know that today's going to be different. Today's going to have a different tone to it, because instead of me coming to the table today with solutions, what I'd rather do today is I'd rather just come and, and talk about the importance of sitting with people in their struggle. Like sitting in the struggle, instead of always feeling like we have to offer solutions, which people in my position sometimes are guilty of, where it's like we always want to give you an answer, but sometimes maybe the better response is just sitting with people in their struggle, sitting with people in their own personal darkness, identifying and being sensitive to the fact that right now life 
sucks. And understanding the value and just sitting in it with them instead of always feeling like we have to offer a solution. So that's going to be the shape in which we're going to present a lot of what we talk about today. And the way that I want to approach that is by looking at a particular book in the Bible called Habakkuk. And Habakkuk, for those of you that are new to the church, it's a book we find in the Old Testament. And I'll give you just a quick lesson here. If you're completely new to faith and church, in our English Bibles we have what's called an Old Testament and a New Testament, or Old Covenant and a New Covenant. And the Old Covenant was a given covenant for a given people, the Israelite people, for a given amount of time with a given purpose. And we don't live underneath that covenant anymore because when Christ came and he died for you and for me and our sins and he was resurrected from the dead, we now have a new and better covenant called the covenant of grace. And we get to live underneath that covenant. It is a new, it is a much better covenant. Yeah, you can shout out for that. Yeah, let's give it up. for Yeah. So... With that being said, what we don't do, and even though we don't put ourselves back underneath the old covenant, we don't have to live underneath the old covenant, we still can take practical teachings that are timeless to come back and learn from, and which that's exactly what we're going to do today with the book of Habakkuk. Now, Habakkuk's three chapters, we're going to be in these three chapters over the next few weeks as we kind of unfold this bigger topic of pain, or hope, I'm sorry, in the darkness. Now, a couple things you should know about Habakkuk. Habakkuk was a prophet, but he was a different type of prophet. You see, most prophets would actually speak to people on behalf of God. But Habakkuk did some things differently. And so what Habakkuk did is he would actually speak to God on behalf of the people. And friends, one of the things that we're going to get in this next three weeks is a front row seat to a real struggle taking place between Habakkuk and God. Because to Habakkuk, things aren't making sense to him in what God is doing. And one of the things that I really do appreciate about this particular book is the realness and the rawness that comes from these deep-rooted emotions within Habakkuk as he's sharing some of the very same questions and the very same sentiments that we walked in here with today. Things like this, God, why aren't you doing what I know you can do? God, you could get me out of this darkness, so why won't you? God, why am I not seeing what I thought you said. Have you ever found yourself at a crossroads with God? Maybe a crisis of belief? Because I think more often than people would like to admit, even for Christ followers, this is a reality in our lives. And so what we're going to get to do is we're going to get to observe a real struggle take place between Habakkuk and God and if you've ever been left with a question mark because of a current circumstance or a current maybe place of darkness in your own life, or maybe a time of darkness in the past, I think you're going to appreciate the words of Habakkuk. So let's pick up in Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 2. Habakkuk says this, How long, O Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Violence is everywhere. I cry, but you do not come to save. Must I forever see these evil deeds? Notice all the question marks. Why must I watch with all this misery? Wherever I look, I see destruction and violence. I'm surrounded by people who love to argue and fight. Hashtag Facebook. The law has become paralyzed, and there is no justice in the courts. The wicked far outnumber the righteous, so that justice has become perverted. Can we just be real this morning? Have you ever struggled with what God was doing or not doing? And maybe this struggle has left you with doubts, real doubts. And maybe those doubts have led you to a crisis of belief. Because as you process through those doubts yourself, and maybe you've been in environments before 
where you didn't feel comfortable exposing those questions and exposing those doubts because it would look like that you're weak in your faith, and so you've just kept those inside of you for a long time. But friends, sometimes if we're not careful, what happens is if we don't expose those doubts, they will lead us to dead ends. And so even though I'm not coming to give you solutions this morning, there is a statement that I want to make crystal clear this morning that you walk through out those doors, you walk out those doors with, and it's my one thing for, t- for today. I believe you can be a genuine believer. I believe you can be a genuine believer and still wrestle with honest questions and embrace a genuine faith in God. I believe it's possible. I was actually talking with somebody about that this week, and in ministry it's not uncommon to sit down and talk with people that are struggling with their current reality. They're struggling with whatever season of darkness that they may find themselves in, and they don't understand why God is doing or not doing what they thought he would. And I'm talking with this particular individual, and along the way I'm I'm trying to help them to see things a little bit differently. And Finally, I get to this place where I'm like, yeah, you just got to keep wrestling. Like, you got to wrestle with God over these things. I may not have, like, the exact answer that you need, but keep wrestling with God. And you could tell really quick when I made that statement, there was a perplexed look that came over their faith, or their face. And what you need to know is their faith journey had been rooted more in a religious environment that wasn't so much about a relationship with Jesus. And so this idea of wrestling with God, and so this person kind of came back with a response and came back with a question. It's a question that many of you might be asking in this very moment. Is it okay? Is it okay for us to wrestle with God? Friends, listen to me. I can assure you of this next statement. God would rather you wrestle with him than walk away from him. God already knows the deepest parts of our mind and our thoughts. And if you need to wrestle with him, I can assure you, he would rather you wrestle with him than walk away from him. Do you know what's interesting about the word Habakkuk? It actually means to both embrace and to wrestle. God, I know you can. I'm embracing. So why don't you? I'm wrestling. God, I I trust you. I'm trying to trust you. I'm embracing, but I don't understand you. I don't understand what you're doing or not doing in this season. I'm wrestling. This idea of wrestling and embracing God has been probably a part of many of our stories. Maybe you never would have defined it that way, Let me see if I can identify with maybe where some of you have been, or I bet you know somebody that's been in a season like this. Maybe for you, he finally stopped drinking and sobered up. Even started going to some meetings. And all of a sudden, things are looking good. It's so easy to worship God when things are going our direction. God, thank you. Thank you for showing up in my husband's life. You embrace. But then you find that bottle hidden behind the bookshelf. God, I'm wrestling. God, I need you. Why didn't, why didn't you help him? Maybe for you, you beat cancer. And it was gone for several years, and you're praising God. God, thank you for healing me. It's so easy to thank God and praise God when things are going our direction. But then that one day, you feel, you feel that lump, and those emotions flood over you all again, and you start to wrestle with God. God, why is this happening again? Maybe for you it was a son or daughter. I have conversations with people all the time about their children and how much it's breaking their heart to watch their children make bad mistakes. And maybe for you it was a wayward child who made some bad decisions, but then they started to get their life back together again, and and God brought you back or them back into your life. And for the first time in a long time, you're thinking to yourself, God, thank you. Thank you for restoring this relationship, and it's easy to embrace. 
and thank God when things are going our direction, but then those same patterns of behavior start to show up again, and we wrestle. God, I thought, I thought it was going to be different this time. Why aren't you fixing this? I grew up in an environment. Actually, let me back up and make this statement. This is actually a very important statement. You know what I've learned about those seasons? Where you thought it was coming and going and God was moving in your direction, but then all of a sudden, he's not. Or at least you don't think he is or the way that you would hope that he would. Here's what I've learned about God. It's easy to worship him on the mountaintops. But I've learned to depend on him in the valleys. It's easy to worship God on the mountaintops, but I think we learn to depend on him in the valleys. I grew up in an environment where when you brought true questions to the table and when you brought two true doubts to the table of what you were struggling with when it came to faith and how, how you were understanding God in different seasons of darkness and despair, those things weren't, weren't invited. And if you did ever expose those things, you might get an answer like this, just let go and let God, right? Just have a little bit more faith. Everything happens for a reason. And I know those people are trying to share those sentiments in good nature because they're just trying to offer hope. They may not know what else to say, but sometimes don't you want to kick them in the kneecap when you're in the midst of a darkness? Seat? Like, I, I'm a man of God. I don't, but you guys, do you ever feel that way? <laughs> and I get it. Sometimes we don't know what to say. Sometimes we don't know what to do when somebody finds themselves in a, in a place of despair in a place where it feels like all hope has been lost. And that's why I'm telling you today, maybe sometimes the best thing we can do instead of offering a solution is just sit in the struggle with them. I think that's probably one of the best ways that we can show love. But I want to do something really quick. If that happens to be you, I want to I land on this particular phrase just for a moment because I think it's actually important for us to teach through this. If you've ever uttered these words, I'm going to encourage you this morning. I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I'm going to encourage you this morning to not use these words anymore because when we share this statement, it has a sentiment behind it. It's a hidden sentiment. When we say everything happens for a reason, there's a sentiment behind it that insinuates that God wanted it to happen. I mean, everything, you know, you're going through a hard season, but everything happens for a reason. I mean, God wanted this to happen to you. Guys, it's bad theology. A few weeks ago, many of you know that I was in Guatemala, and there was a young lady who was helping, helping to serve us at the guest house. She was serving us our meals, and she had burns all over her body. And I got to hear her story, and when she was two years old, her parents didn't want her anymore, so they actually threw her in a fire. And she woke up every day, and she looked in their mirror, and she remembered that her parents didn't want her. She had scars to prove that to her every day. Did God want that to happen for a reason? Friends, here's the funny thing. Everything does happen for a reason because God gave us free will, meaning we can choose to do good or we can choose to do evil. That's our choice. But to think that God is actually going to use sin or evil to accomplish a different purpose it's asinine to think that he would go against his very nature to accomplish those things. So if you happen to say those things, I'm just going to encourage you, maybe get that out of your vocabulary. Maybe you've heard this statement in the midst of a dark season or a difficult time. God will never give you more than you can handle. I want to encourage you to stop saying that as well because it's actually a, a bad translation of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this is which is where we get that statement, but this is actually what Paul says. He says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted. Keyword there is tempted. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure. It's not about what you can handle. 
It's about how much God's going to allow you to be tempted. And he said, if you have my spirit, the spirit of God lives in you by putting your faith in son, or my, your faith in my son Jesus, you're going to have the ability to overcome any temptation that comes in your direction. That's a gift to you from God. But it doesn't have anything to do with how much you can handle. And so sometimes, inadvertently, what happens is when we start to share those kind of sentiments with people in the midst of their own darkness, and we say, God's never going to give you more than you can handle. Well, what, if, what does that mean about me then if I don't feel like I can handle this? And we start to look at ourselves as if we're weak. And These statements, friends, as much as we want to share them with good intentions, they're, just, they're not the best thing to share. So whether it's let go or let God or everything happens for a reason or God won't give you more than you can handle. Again, I, the, we share these things because I think everyone is looking for hope in the darkness. But I want you to wrestle. I want you to wrestle with this next statement. Because sometimes I think God does give us more than we can handle. Wrestle with this statement right here. What if it takes real pain? What if it takes real pain to experience real and abiding hope? I think sometimes God will give you more than you can handle. Listen to me. Potentially because that is the very process that teaches us to depend on him. Friends, I can't promise you today that God is always going to show up the way that you need him to. I can't promise you today that God will always make sense. I can't promise you that God will always keep you from tragedies like what we've seen happen in the news just in the last couple weeks. That mass shooting at the synagogue where all those Jewish people were killed and then this last week in California, I think 13 people were killed in that mass shooting. I can't promise you that God's going to keep you away from those kind of tragedies. But what I can promise you is that he's going to meet you in the midst of them. He understands your hurt. He understands your pain. He understands your frustration. And he's okay if you need to wrestle with him. Just don't walk away. God never promised you that you wouldn't have to walk through darkness. But he did promise that you wouldn't have to do it alone. In Hebrews chapter 4, we read this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Let us embrace who God is, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, our weakness in times where we don't understand, we don't see what God is doing, why he's doing it, and we need to wrestle. But we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence, embracing who he is so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need when life doesn't make sense, God, I'm still going to believe that you are good. Do you know why one of our values here at Trace, we call it a key trace, is to pursue Jesus in life with grit? Because sometimes we really can't give you a clear answer. Sometimes we aren't going to be able to bring a solution to your struggle. Because sometimes we just have to press through our circumstances without any clear answers. But I've got another statement I really do want you to wrestle with this morning. This one may hurt a little bit. When our faith depends solely on our circumstances, it will lack both depth and consistency. But learning to believe that God is faithful and He is good, even when life is not, that will lead to a deep-rooted faith that might be the only thing you can hang on to in your seasons of darkness. You see, Habakkuk wasn't getting the answers that he wanted to get. Habakkuk wasn't hearing from God the way that he wanted to hear from God. God wasn't showing up in Habakkuk's life like, like 
Habakkuk hoped that he would and thought he could. And so throughout this, we see Habakkuk not walk away from God, but wrestle. He embraces and he wrestles. Verse 12, Lord, are you not from everlasting? I'm embracing you, God. My God, my Holy One, you will never die. I'm embracing you. You, Lord, have appointed them, which is the Babylonians, to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. I'm wrestling. This doesn't make sense, God. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. And he's pointing out characteristics of God here. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You can't tolerate wrongdoing. God, I'm embracing who you are. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves. God, I'm wrestling. This doesn't make sense. I'm not seeing what I thought you said. You see, we wrestle with God, and we learn to wrestle with God, and I'm here to, if I can get anything across to you this morning, and I'm trying to get this across to you this morning, it's okay to wrestle with God. Just don't walk away from Him, because a genuine believer can wrestle with honest questions and still embrace a genuine faith in God. I'm going to take you a layer deeper into this conversation by talking to you about a painful moment in my life. I'm not going to give you that many specifics, but it wasn't even that long ago. And to do that, I'm going to use this board right here. And on the beginning of this, I'm just going to identify with where many of us have been on our faith journey because it's somewhere along our journey, we have this conversion process where we come to know who Jesus is. We start to understand what it means to repent of our sin and invite Jesus into our life, and we begin to become transformed. The book of Romans, when Paul's writing to the Roman church, he talks about how our minds are transformed, and we start to see things differently. We start to see relationships differently. We start to see life differently. We start to see pain differently, and so things start to move up and to the right. We have this deeper understanding, this, this, you know, different type of worldview of life, and everything kind of feels up and to the right. And we've already talked about this, but it's so easy to worship God up here. But then, I think a natural trajectory of our life and something that we all can all identify with is that there's a moment. There's a, there's a situation, there's something that happens, and we'll just call it a crisis, could be a crisis of belief for you, or it could just be a crisis. could be a tragedy. It could be that one thing that you didn't see coming. It could be the fact that you walked away when you never thought that there was even a problem in your marriage. You fill in the blank. We have a crisis, and maybe that crisis sends you on a trajectory where you start to have doubts and questions about God. Mine wasn't that. But nonetheless, my crisis started to send me into the depths of darkness, and it started to send me down and even though I might not have been questioning God, I kept wanting God to show up in ways that ultimately He wasn't. God, I need you to make sense of this because I can. I'm doing my best. And just so you know, this event that happened in my life, it, wasn't, it was completely out of my control. It's nothing that I did. God, what am I supposed to do here? God, why aren't you doing anything? I'm doing my best. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to lead a church. I'm trying to be the best husband and father that I can be. It's easy to worship God up here. But friends, down here is where I've gotten to know him. It's down here where if you'll lean in his direction, he'll refine your faith. It's down here where you're going to give God a different type of access to your heart that you can't give him up here because down here you need him differently. 
It's down here where I think we learn to experience real and abiding hope. And maybe the way that I would explain it, because I've, I've, I've lived enough life up till now that I've had several of these. And I'm starting to see the verse in James come to life. And the verse in James that I'm going to talk about didn't used to make sense to me. He said, consider it pure joy. Pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And let perseverance finish its work so that you can be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. You know what I think is interesting is when we get to our end of our life, God would say, this is where you felt, this is where you maybe felt the closest to me. Maybe it was an awesome worship service and man, the band was playing your favorite song and man, there was just this moment and you were all out in worship and you felt this connection with God, but God would say, no, in my way of looking at your life, I would flip this chart upside down because it's actually this where you were the closest to me. That's God's economy. And maybe it takes moments of these. And can we just be real? I said we we're going to be real this morning. And raw, this sucks. But this is often where we meet God. This is often where our faith is refined. This is often where we learn to give God new access to our life that he didn't have up here. This is often where we learn the character trait and really the importance of perseverance and pushing through and God bringing us out of our moments of darkness. And sometimes, not all the time, because this is not a fairy tale ending, sometimes we're stronger than where we were before. But learning to trust and know that God is faithful and that he's good, even when life is not, will allow these to become some of the most beautiful opportunities between you and God. I'm going to close by switching gears just a, just a minute. That lady, you know what? I didn't even tell a story. Now i got to tell a story. Fantastic. All right. I'm going to tell a story that you should have heard at the beginning of the message. Just act like this happened. It's going to be amazing. One of the things that we do every week is we put out sandwich board signs. And we put out sandwich board signs. Many of you have come to our church because we put out these sandwich board signs. And uh, we've got a guy, it's one of our volunteers here named Cody, and he goes and he picks up those signs each and every week. And so he pulled up to the curb a couple weeks ago to grab one of those sandwich board signs, and he thought he put it in park. Yeah, that's where we're going. Uh, and he didn't. He had it in reverse, and so when he jumped out of his truck, his truck actually ran backwards in reverse and ran into the lady behind him. He got out and they assessed the damage really quick and they talked and they were thinking through, like, how can we do this without getting the insurance involved? And so they decided they were going to meet up a couple days later at a body shop. And so they met up at the body shop and they're trying to assess the damage, figure out what the plan is going to be. And as they're doing that, they're just having a real conversation. And they decided to keep having that conversation. And they said, hey, let's just grab something to eat. And let's keep having a real healthy conversation. And ultimately, Cody invited her to come to our church because of this situation. And she ended up coming for the first time last week. And so why do I tell you that story? Because I need you to get more car accidents. And uh, it's going to be our new outreach here at Trace. And Yeah, which honestly, be careful out there today because it is. Now, that was supposed to happen in the beginning of the service. That's still not a fairy tale ending. Because I met with her this week. And when I met with her this week, she was in a moment of darkness. 
She was in a season of darkness. She was in a season where God didn't make sense to her. She didn't understand what God was doing, why God wasn't showing up in the way that she needed him to show up. And so I'm talking through these things with her, and then she asked a question. It was a very innocent, a very honest question. She said, Aaron is, because she wasn't for sure if she was going to start really coming here ongoing, she said, Aaron, is, is this a loving place? Actually, I think she said it this way, am I going to feel loved here? And again, I'm the lead pastor of this church. So I'm like, of course you're going to feel loved here. And I started sharing with her about our mission. It's like we're, we're on mission, leave a trace of God's love everywhere we go. We, no strings attached. We want people to come just as they are and all these different things. Man, I had all, I had all the lines. I had all the preacher pitches. And then God kind of snapped me out of it. He said, Aaron, you can't answer that. You have to answer that. Is this a place where people are going to feel loved? I would say, based on the last two years of observation, that yes, but can I say that for every single person that walks through those doors? I'm not sure. But you know as well as I do that there's going to be a lot of people that continue to come through the doors of Trace Church who are looking for hope in the midst of their darkness. And the best way that we can offer them hope is through love. Paul makes this really clear, and I'll close with this. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. He says, for now, for now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. In other words, we really can't make sense of everything that's happening around us. I think this is important to note, specifically in what we're talking about today. For now, we, we see only a reflection in the mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Right now, in part, things don't always make sense. But then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. And then, in other words, he says this. Until then, until then, these three remain. Faith, God, I'm embracing you. I'm not going to walk away. I'm going to wrestle. I'm not going to walk away. Hope, even in the midst of darkness, there's an opportunity for God to refine you and to show up for you in ways that he couldn't up here. And love. But the greatest of these is love. Friends, we were created to both experience love and to express it. And so can we answer that question together? Those questions that subconsciously come through that door every single week in the midst of my darkness, is this a place of love? Let me pray for us. Father, I hope that the resounding answer to that question is yes, not because of what we say, but because how we live and what we do in this place. And that when we walk in through the doors of this church every single week, some of us are in really dark seasons and we need to come in here and sit and soak. Other, others of us may be in a better season. We need to come in here and we need to lose sight of ourselves so that we can think about the people that are walking through those doors in their own personal hell right now, in their own personal darkness. And we need to extend hope by being available, by being willing to sit in their struggle, not always offering a solution. And so, God, I pray that you partner with us in this church so that it becomes a resounding yes that I, as a preacher and as a leader of this church, don't even need to say anything because when people walk through here, they automatically feel it. This is a place of hope in the darkness. So, God, would you meet us in the midst of wanting this place to become that hope? We pray this in Christ's name. Everybody said, amen.